behind the shades. Well, you know, it's funny. As I was working out, I was looking at the shirt thinking last year, because I was bald, I, I could have had the bald hair or no hair, don't care. But, oh, well, sweaty hair. I'm so grateful to have hair again. It's very exciting. I know. I'm, I read your, um, your bio and went to your website and... The story that's on there is amazing, and I'm so happy to hear it and share with my audience today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being on. So, any goals that you've achieved so far in 2021? How has uh, it treated you? Yeah, 2021 has been great. I just, well, <laughs> has it been great? I have uh, new races that are supposed to come back, which is fantastic, and I've booked a new series, or I'm booking a new series. And I've been booked to do more corporate speaking engagements, which is fantastic. I used to do a ton of it. And then race announcing became so um, such a big part of my life that I let the corporate stuff kind of dwindle. But now I'm pivoting like all the other hardworking Americans that found themselves out of work. So, um, yeah, bringing back the corporate speaking engagements, which I really enjoy. I was just about to ask you if you love it. And it sounds like you do. I do. I do. Anytime someone gives me an audience and I get to compel them to do better and be better, uh, I'm down with that. I love it. Makes me feel fulfills me. I love it. So I guess we'll officially get started and we're back with another episode of Behind the Shade. So why don't you let everyone know who you are and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I'm Fitz Kohler of fitness.com. I'm a fitness expert and I've spent the past few decades helping people live better and longer by making fitness understandable, attainable, and fun. And so I do that in a variety of ways, but I really am a one-trick pony. I am laser-focused on tacking 10 years of quality life onto everyone I come across. So as far as the fitness expert side goes, I teach via mass media, TV, radio, books, magazines. I do work as a corporate spokesperson and speaker because they usually provide very large audiences, which is what I crave. And I own a large school running program called the Morning Mile, which I'm very proud of. That's in 400 schools globally. And uh, I'm a race announcer. I announce some of the largest, most prestigious running events in the United States, Los Angeles Marathon, Philadelphia, Buffalo, OC, Big Sur Marathons, the DC Wonder Woman and Batman Run Series. So um, I man the start and finish lines of these incredible events. And I make sure all of our athletes are engaged, informed, entertained. I whip our athletes into a frenzy at the start line. Y'all go. They leave, which makes me sad because we were having so much fun. And then I move over to a stage at the, at the finish line and I try to make sure every single athlete feels like they won the race when they cross that finish line. And normally I can call them out by name thanks to technology. So I'm an author. I have um, I just released my second book, My Noisy Cancer Comeback, which you know, details my recent battle with uh, the big C, which wasn't a lot of fun, but I did it. Hooray. I looked I looked it up and the morning mile, tell us a little bit about that because I found that very interesting that you're doing this with children, I believe, right? You're Absolutely. walking and running before school? Yeah, yeah. So I created the program in 2009 and it's the only all-inclusive program in the world. So there's some programs that, that say only girls or only boys or only kids this age, et cetera. And my program, I want every child to participate every day. I, uh, with the morning mile, those schools give their students 30 minutes before the school day starts to come out and just walk as little or as much as they want, run as fast as they want. They, uh, we invite their families and the faculties and 
man, we just make it welcoming, uh, fun and rewarding. And quite often we have elementary school students doing six, 700 miles a year. Uh, elementary schools doing 20,000 plus miles a year. We also are in preschools, middle schools and high schools. Uh, elementary school seems to have the most enthusiasm. So the bigger numbers are there with the younger kids. But, you know, I truly believe that if we teach kids these very basic habits of just start your day walking or running and walking for most of us is a skillless activity. It's something we know how to do. And if we could get them doing, uh, learning this habit today, they can continue it in their 20s, their 40s, their 80s, their 90s. And it's certainly a better solution to start kids out and teach them how to be healthy as opposed to trying to fix sick people with horrible habits. I agree. And I remember when I was in middle school, um, it would take me about 20, I'm trying to remember, about 15 to 20 minutes just to walk to school. Oh, that's a good right? exercise. That's great. I, I loved it. It was like, and it felt like a little game because I would be, because I'm the one who always likes to arrive early. So I'd leave a little bit early, get my backpack on and I would go pick up my friends. So by the time we would walk the last five or 10 minutes of school, there was like five of us, six of us, right? And it's like, you're just collecting your friends along the way. And that's why when I read that part uh, and I found out that you're doing that, I found that so amazing because it brought me back to my childhood because I enjoy walking. Um, if I could, I walk in my neighborhood, it's in the suburbs. You probably know how it is. People drive to the mailbox. So <laughs> I got it. So I, I would walk to the mailbox. I'd walk to the store. Um, it was a good way for me to clear my thoughts. And I touch this with you. How important is it to you, Fitz, that you know you're making this kind of difference to children at such a young age and you probably are helping a lot of them develop um, beneficial habits. Well, I can tell you that I definitely am helping. And this is out of all the wonderful thing I, things I've done in my career. And I have, I have done an extraordinary amount of things. I know you looked at my website and saw my media page. There's absolutely nothing I've done that's more important than the morning mile. In fact, you know, hopefully in 60 years, 70 years down the road, when I do kick the bucket, I want morning mile on my tombstone. That's a guarantee. I just, it is certifiably the most important thing I've ever done. I'm very proud of it. You have a version of that for like adults or let's say older adults or is it strictly for it's, children? So that's a great question. I actually have some senior living facilities that are very interested in bringing the morning mile there. And we were, uh, we were working towards that when COVID hit. So hopefully when the world restarts, <laughs> we get a little more back to normal. We'll, we'll get the older folks active too, because you know what? It's just about, coming together and like you said it's social you know uh, sometimes adults feel like exercise is punishment we I, oh i have to go running they'll say sorry i can't be there i have to go running my morning milers they don't have to run they get to run it's a privilege they look forward to it in fact they're knocking on their parents heads in the morning saying wake up mom wake up dad get me to school early i want to do the morning mile i want to earn my rewards and see my friends so yeah it's perspective and um, yeah, that with Morning Mile, we bring joy to physical activity and it's really special. And I think for those who are in the long-term care homes, um, it appears um, that it can be at times lonely. Yeah. Right? So to have this camaraderie amongst them, you know, they're walking at their own pace because I think that's a part of it as well, right? Where you're social, let's say you and I, we flash forward 30, 40 years from now, 
and we're in a situation with a long-term care home, I would love for there to be something that would unite us that way. We're like, you know what? We grab each other, we grab a couple of our friends, and we just go for this walk around the block, walk around the neighborhood. And it's not a punishment. It's like a, a privilege or a reward in a way. That's right. That's right. You know, it's interesting. I, I, you're, I already love you, by the way. <laughs> I love your smile. I love your attitude. But, you know, you, I, I, I chronically see packs of women out running in groups. You know, women do that. They get together, they get their leggings on, and they go for a walk. And uh, I love seeing the men in my neighborhood out going for walks, whether they're families or friends. I don't as often see packs of guys. And I think that's... That's something your gender is missing out on. But like you said, as a kid, you did it. You got to talk with your buddies. You get the, you know, fresh air feels good. It's it's interesting to me when you think about it, how people are often averse to exercise, but we all love some fresh air and, and nature is beautiful. It's not a punishment to go outside. It's not a punishment to walk down your street. And if you do it while socializing, it's, it's an actual enjoyable thing. And on the flip side, people also act like fruit is some sort of punishment. I don't know, there's some fruit that I think is really delicious. So, you know, the things that are really good for us, I believe are, are usually pretty enjoyable if we, I don't know, chill out a little bit and stop being so un uncomfortable with, you know, workout. Workouts don't have to mean big weights at the gym. Working out could be dancing in your living room or you know, going for a swim at the beach. Exercise is a really enjoyable part of life, don't you think? I totally agree. I think sometimes we have this picture that workout means the gym, as you mentioned, with big weights, but it can be you and I going for a walk. It could be going to see your friend, going to visit your grandmother, your grandfather, seeing your parents in another neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and a little side note, um, since you mentioned fruits, pineapple is the best fruit in the world, and I love it, just so everyone knows. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I put out last night, I had recently got Dole makes these little, they're called like refrigerator cups or fridge cups and they're just a container with a plastic lid of pineapple and oh my God, it's delicious. So I posted it. I have an online training group. It's called, uh, well, on fitness, my fitness page. So I posted it and so many people were just mesmerized by this ridiculous little snack. I mean, I this, this is some of the things I do. I eat food out of a can or out of a cup or a frozen fruit. I just, for dinner, I steamed a bag of um, broccoli, cauliflower, carrots yelling at me because they hate pineapple. And I don't know if I want to associate them anymore because if you hate pineapple, <laughs> maybe we, we can't be friends. <laughs> yeah, if I could, um, is it peel? I don't know if it's called peel, but if I knew how to actually get the skin off of a pineapple, I'd be eating it every day. It's one of my, it's my favorite fruit. Now, do you also love mango? I did. I did, but um, not so much anymore. Really? What did mango do to you? I don't know. <laughs> I gotta get go back and give it a try. I yeah, I used to have um, mango and water. No, not watermelon. Mango and um, cranberries. Yum. I was big on, but um, pineapple. I took. I think took it over, and then I haven't had a mango in years. Oh, it's time. It's time. It's such a good fruit. I actually, I I live in Florida, so we're. We're the citrus capital of the world, I think, and oranges and tangerines and tangelos and grapefruit. I, I, I could actually probably get some sort of vit vitamin C poisoning. I eat so much of it. In fact, my immune system is ready to punch anything in the face that comes near me. A cold, someone with a cold, my immune system is going to jump out and strangle it. 
I have so much vitamin C, so <laughs> hooray for yeah. I Yeah, I think I um, may have overdosed on vitamin C growing up and probably more so now, just like you, right? <laughs> yeah, there are worse habits. So you mentioned your book, My yeah. Noisy Cancer. My Noisy Cancer Comeback. Tell us about that journey. And the reason why I would ask is, I don't know, I know some acquaintances of mine that have experienced that, but I don't know anyone close to me or personal to me. So the actual situation itself, or maybe the journey overall. Oh, oh, I went through it for 15 months. I had chemo for 15 solid months. Uh, Yeah. So long story short, I'll abbreviate as much as possible, but December, 2018, I went in for my annual mammogram and I'm very adamant about annual exams of all sorts. So in December, I had a clean mammogram, walked out, celebrate, celebrating the good news. And then less than seven weeks later, I was in a hotel bathroom at a race and I was naked and I rubbed my under boob. I had an itch and I felt it. It was felt like a bean. And I thought, oh God, here it is. And so I instantly picked up my phone. I had a phone on my, can- on my bathroom counter. I picked it up, called, made the appointment. I was taking it seriously, so were they. And I I encourage anybody else who finds any red flags in their body to address it. You know, I didn't cry and call my mom and cry. I didn't Google it. I just called my doctor. So whether you're having chest pain or you find a weird black mole in your arm or you find a lump somewhere, call your doctor. You've got to do it. And so thankfully I did because I had a very aggressive, fast-moving type of breast cancer. And if I had waited, I'd be dead. You'd be talking about me instead of to me. So... Um, within a week and a half, I had an official diagnosis. Uh, a week and a half later, I started chemo, and I went through what they what they, I was told is the most toxic combination of um, chemotherapy drugs they give to anybody. And so, I was so sick. Oh my gosh, I was so crazy sick. And I did that type of chemo for five months, and then I had another type of chemo for ten months which also wasn't a walk in the park. And I had 33 rounds of radiation. I had a few surgeries. So I got the, I had the trifecta of cancer nonsense. Um, but the reason I wrote the book was for a few things is, or a few reasons. Number one, uh, nobody tells you what really goes on with cancer care. And so quite often, you know, people hear, oh, you're gonna feel sick maybe, and you'll feel tired and you'll probably lose your hair. And so I was very sick and I was very tired and I did go bald. I had two feet of long blonde hair. It used to hit my waist and then all of a sudden, nothing. You know, I was uh, Mr. Clean. Those things were hard, they were very hard, but then there was all this weird stuff that started happening that it was unexpected because nobody tells the truth. Nobody shares the gory, juicy details. And that's what I went into in the book. So for example, my eyes changed color. Nobody told me my eyes would change color. That was a crazy. Uh, my fingernails, they, um, they can be very brittle. They were ripping off and they were rotting out while still on my hands. So I had rotting fingernails and anytime I touched my face, I was hit with the stench of rotting fingernails. I mean, just bizarre stuff. I had rashes all over my face. And then eventually they left my face and they went to my neck, which I was appreciative of that. But there was just so many crazy things that continued to go on. And uh, I, I kept thinking, why doesn't anyone tell the truth about this? And then I thought, oh my God, this is hilarious. So yes, I was suffering. Yes, there was pain and, and misery and tears, but it was 
overall kind of funny to look back on some of the wacky stuff that went on in my life. And then between the crazy side effects, I still was getting on a plane almost every single weekend traveling across the United States to announce these massive running events. And uh, we went through some crazy measures to keep me on my feet. I would fly from Florida to California or New York and I'd get off my flight and someone would pick me up and instantly bring me somewhere to get IV fluids. Or there would be nurses waiting in my hotel rooms to give me IV fluids so I wouldn't be dehydrated so I could um, stay on my feet. It was just, I, I could have called it adventures and cancer care or adventures in breast cancer treatment. But um, so it's like some of my chapter titles, one is called the bright side of poop on my face. And that happened. And then there was another chapter. It's called um, when things go wrong, don't go with them uh, naked in the airport. And I was naked in the airport during a crisis. So um, it was a wacky adventure. And then the other the other reason I wrote the book is that, you know, I made the choice from the get-go that I wasn't going to sacrifice my career or time with my kids. I just chose, I, I'm not giving it up. And so if I would have taken a year and a half off of work and special events, you know, going to see the kids plays and sporting events, nobody would have blamed me. I was, I was so sick, but because I made this decision in advance, uh, I got to thrive while trying to survive. And, and again, it was super hard, uh, but I had more adventure in my year and a half full of cancer care than most people have in 10 years. And uh, I also chose not to have pity parties. You know, I, I kept perspective. I always told myself, hey, listen, you're not a two-year-old with cancer. When I could smile, I did. You know, I would go from crying alone in my bathroom and then I'd come out and if somebody said something funny, I would laugh. You know, the, you don't get extra points for being the saddest, most miserable person in the room or on social media. So um, I think the choices that I made uh, really benefited me. They benefited the people around me. And now that my book has become somewhat of the handbook or manual for new cancer patients, newly diagnosed. People are buying it when their friend or family members diagnosed with cancer. They're buying my noisy cancer comeback and I'm getting such a wonderful response from people saying, oh my God, thank you so much. This has really helped me. And you know, I'm feeling braver and bolder now. I know I can do this. And, and that's an awesome gift, right? Absolutely. And it sounded like you had a lot of courage when you were going through this and that you were determined to beat it. Um, for the 15 months, was it always that way or did were there times where you thought, you know what, I don't know if I can do this and then you had to regroup and then proceed accordingly? So great question. Right at my diagnosis, I was convinced I was going to die. And, and it's funny because I'm the most optimistic person on the planet, but I just thought, oh God, I'm definitely going to die. And the reason being is because I'm the girl with who does... You know, I have the perfect fitness life I, and I'm not perfect by any means, but I do almost all the right things. I've got this beautiful family. I've got this perfect career. I would make the perfect tragic tale of the girl who died young, you know, from cancer. So, oh, that that was gut wrenching. And then my doctors convinced me. They say, hey, listen, 94% of all breast cancer cases are curable. Your specific type is very curable. So we don't have any doubt we're going to cure you. So. I got past that hump um, and, and I think bravery comes in all shapes and sizes and for me, uh, 
I'm a medical wimp, you know, I'm afraid of needles and which is pretty bad because once you are diagnosed with cancer, you end up getting, getting stuck in all these horrible places hundreds of times. So with your port, it's in uh, this thing they put in your chest so they can infuse the drugs right into your heart. It's very weird, but they stick you in a needle through the soft spot underneath your clavicle, which is super rude. That was scary. Um, they put needles. I'm going to, I'm going to go there. They put needles in my nipple before surgery. Like they gave me six shots in the nipple. That was terrifying. And so I, it was, it was a constant state of scary things going on, but I would tell myself, and it's funny. I had it in my head. I didn't even kind of realize I was doing it at first, but I kept reminding myself, you can do hard things. You, you've built a quality business. You've raised amazing children. I used to be a competitive kickboxer for 10 years. So I kept reminding myself as I was facing these, these terrifying um, hurdles that I can do hard things. And that's actually when uh, people buy my book at fitness.com, I have these stickers come as a gift with purchase. It's a big pink cloud and it says, I can do hard things. And you know, it's a reminder, it's a mantra that worked for me. And fortunately I had said it enough that all of a sudden I was done with treatment. And so hopefully people will take the sticker, put it on the back of their phone or their laptop or in their bathroom mirror, somewhere they need to be reminded um, that they too can do hard things because life's not always easy. When I hear your story, it reminds me of one of my, one of my friends, she had a coworker that was diagnosed with, with cancer and she, um, she was very dedicated to her, to job and be successful, being there for her children. She was fighting it and she was fighting. And a lot of people thought she was going to be able to overcome it. And the reason why I asked about your determination, your courage is because it seems like she had someone that passed in her family. And when the person passed in the family it seemed to change her because now we can see in her face that she was kind of giving up because she had a close family member that passed. And the way that my friend tells me was that that was the moment where I guess everyone around knew that she wasn't going to make it. And shortly, I think it was a few days later, or maybe a week and a half after, she passed from it. But to hear your story where you had that in initial thought, but then you decide that, you know what? I'm going to make the best of it. To do all of that while you're going through that, I can just imagine the state of mind. You must have been pretty determined to say that, you know what? I'm going to do this for me. I'm doing this for my children. I'm doing this for my career. I accomplished so much as a kickboxer and starting my own business. I am not going to let this beat me because so many other people have overcome this and I can do the same. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, I control the things I can, right? So I couldn't control the fact that I had cancer, but I could control which doctors I chose, which treatment I, I agreed to and how I was going to live my life. And, uh, you know, we all make choices every single day and, you know, it's really easy to be a great version of yourself when everything's going right. You know, when you're in good shape and your job is going great and this and that. And then I think it's more interesting to see who you are when the chips are down, when there's a crisis. And um, sometimes people, when they face crisis, they realize maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Maybe I'm not married to the right person. Maybe I'm not in the right career. And fortunately for me, when crisis struck, it just solidified who I was, that I was already doing the thing I love to do with surrounded by the people I love to be with. And uh, yeah, I was a little defiant. Um, I didn't want to give cancer any of the victory. So 
I had to announce publicly that I had breast cancer because I was going to, I knew I was going to show up on stage as bald. So I didn't really have a choice. People were going to start asking questions. And, and if I hadn't have lost my hair or if I wasn't going to, I probably wouldn't have told people what I was going through because I'm a bit private. And my job as a service provider is to take care of other people and help them find joy. It's not to be, you know, Debbie Downer or uh, it's not my job to be the spectacle. But I, I had to make a video announcement. I said, hey, guys, listen, bad news. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, however, doctor said it's curable. So I will expect or accept no pity. Uh, you can root for me, but don't feel sorry for me. I will show up and I'm going to do my job and I'm going to perform as expected. Can't wait to see you. I'm going to be fine. And then, uh, and I look at those video. The video is actually still on my fitness Facebook page. If anyone wants to go watch this, very cocky of me. And then I had no idea what I was really in for. And so when I, when my stomach exploded and I became this really sick person, I didn't want anyone to know what was going wrong. So publicly throughout my entire breast cancer treatment and people said, how are you? I would say, oh, fine, things are going great. I never once told them I was spending the night on the hotel bathroom floor before race day. I mean, I would spend all these nights on the hotel bathroom floor, sick as a dog. And then 4.30 a.m., my alarm would go off, I'd get up and I'd put on my clothes and I'd go over to my stage and it's so interesting. And this is, this is how I knew I was doing the right thing and I've chosen the right career because the second I, I stepped on those stages, it was as though someone flipped my on switch and I got to be full force Fitz Kohler again. I got to I got to stand there and like part the seas. You know, when, when I make noise, the crowd makes noise too. And uh, it's, it's very cool to be able to get 20,000 people, you know, jumping up and down like they're in a mosh pit. And so that really fueled me. I was fueled by my runners and my events. And I, I truly believe the running community was part of my cure. Um, there's, there's a lot of times where things could go wrong. You know, maybe I was hospitalized um, after the Buffalo Marathon last year. And again, nobody knew that while it was happening. But you could get an infection in the hospital. You could have an allergic reaction to some of the chemo drugs. You know, it's, it's never a safe space. But I decided I was just going to live every day to the fullest no matter what. And I hope that if, uh, if I were not able to beat this disease, I'm hoping I would have controlled my last days too. I'm hoping I would have had the people I love the most by my side and my favorite songs playing and... I hope I would have planned out my funeral to make sure it was as fun and bright and cheery as I would have wanted it to be. You know, we all have choices. So, um, yeah, I love what I do. I do love what I do. And I'm so grateful I did survive cancer because it wasn't a guarantee. Was that like an escape for what you're, you're going through? Because that, at that point in time, you're like, nothing. I'm not going through this at this moment. You're in front of all these people. As you mentioned, you have all this energy and you made an amazing point and I was so happy to hear it that you said I'm like how I was before this when I'm in yeah. front of all these people tell us about that experience and one of the greatest gifts of what I do is uh, my attention is solely on the people that I'm trying to help and support and so there was no room to focus on my headache or my tummy issues or my fatigue you know I'm so fueled by my athletes and you know some of them are super speedster superstars up front and good for them i respect them and think they're great my favorite people are the back of the packers my favorite people are 
the people that are severely overweight or they're wearing a, a brace on every joint or they walk the whole way, the people that you know, you look at and think, holy cow, what are they doing at a race? Those are my favorite people. And so to be able to take good care of them, you know, how could I think of me for even a second while surrounded by such gritty, hardworking, wonderful people that are working not only for their own health, but great causes and they're supporting their community. It just, um, I have, I have this great gift of service. And it's wonderful to be surrounded by the best people on the planet. So yeah, what a, what a wonderful thing to be. And I think there's so many of us that have that same gift where helping others is, I don't want to say that's why we're on this earth, but in a way it probably is, right? Like think about you and I, right? They're in another life, if you want to call it that. We may not have connected. I would not have heard this story. We would not have this conversation. But there's a reason why we're having it. And I think that hearing your story um, will bring something out of me that will help me maybe pass it on to someone else. And then that person passes it forward. And I think that's what stories like yours are, because you found the strength when a lot of people would have said, you know what, I don't know if I can do this, but you're like, I will do this. Yeah. I'm still going to be the same person that I always was. Yes, I don't have my hair and I'm right. my, my stomach is, you know, feeling the way it is. And yeah, exactly. Just spending, you know, every other night or I'm spending some nights on the hotel floor, but it doesn't matter because as soon as that lights hit me and in front of all those people who I love and the energy fills the room, I'm able to be who I was before this. So the next generation of women is there something that you would tell them based on what you experienced? Um, well, I would tell them to squeeze their stuff, first of all, because breast cancer is a real threat to <laughs> me and, and men as well. But women in general, I, I think it's important to stop playing the victim and choose to be the victor. Stop uh, playing uh, that we're any less or we're victimized because we're not men, I think. Uh, women have so many opportunities and probably special rights over guys. There's things that women can do and say that men can't do and say. And if you're not making enough money, it's probably because maybe you haven't earned enough money or you're settling for less. So um, women, get your education, get your experience, open your mouth, stand up for yourself and make good decisions. I spoke to someone a couple of days ago who has cerebral palsy confined to a chair she's unable to um she doesn't have the motor um skills that you and i would may have or she doesn't have the movement right sure she, she started two businesses good for her amazing story i think we all need to work as individuals and then surround ourselves with individuals because when it comes to me getting on these flights all the time i don't care if my pilot's a man or a woman i don't care if my pilot's black white red green i don't care i just want a great pilot you know what i'm saying you hear that voice? She just wants to arrive alive when she's flying. Okay? That's right. Give me a great pilot. That's it. A great doctor, a great butcher, a great <laughs> gardener, whatever. I don't care what's in your pants. I just want you to be good at what you do. I make the joke sometimes when someone says that. I say, well, I don't care what they, I don't care who they are, what they are, as long as they're able to do the job and they kind of look good doing it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I always say, uh, can you support yourself and 
follow the law and be nice. And other than that, I don't care what you look like, who you sleep with, none of that is my business. Um, we should all be able to get along if we're all doing our part. Absolutely. Were you always this driven? Were you always this way? I have been, yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know what it is. I, you know, it's interesting. I My daughter is a clone of me. Gosh, she's exactly me. And that's to her detriment because she can't get away with anything because I know what she's thinking before she thinks it. But I tell her, listen, when I was younger, people told me, no, sometime I got cut from athletic teams and maybe I didn't get the job or I didn't get invited to the clubs I wanted to join at college. And I just decided to keep working and, and to pursue things that I had control over. You know, I learned who I was, you know, I'm a CEO. I, I own my own company. I make those rules. And so I, I don't get frustrated. I would be very, very frustrated if I worked in a, a big group atmosphere and I had someone putting their thumb on my head. I just wouldn't, I would be fireable. You know, I'm such a, I'm a really good business person, but if I work for someone else, I bet they would get sick of me in my big mouth and they would fire me. So, you know, I tell Ginger that I used, there people used to tell me no, and I would just put on my juggernaut helmet. I don't know if you know the Marvel superhero, but he wears the, the big metal helmet. And then he's always right. crashing through brick walls. And so uh, that's what I decided to put on my juggernaut helmet and then keep going through. And so God forbid someone tells me no now. Oh my God, I become the biggest pain in the ass. I mean, I, te I tend to get what I want because I want what I want. So I keep going. If I have to go around you, over you, if I have to go through you, sorry, but I'm going through you. So... Um, I just, I don't know, all the things I want are good. They're good for me. They're good for society. They're probably good for you too. So it doesn't make sense for people to tell me no. Don't you think? I, that's, that's no and I can't are two things I don't enjoy hearing. No, not at all. No. <laughs> no. I and you know what? I know this doesn't sound like we're kids like we're like no we don't want to hear those words mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it's i sound like a brat but this attitude has served me very very well yeah and i'm the same way i always tell you know people that will listen you know we all have our own struggle and we all come from certain um situations but it's there to make us stronger yeah. right and i was telling one of my friends like you'll be surprised what you can accomplish if you believe in yourself and you surround yourself with the right People. Yeah, and you're willing to put in the work. You know, it's it's get get your hands dirty, show up early, stay late, volunteer, practice, practice, practice. Put a smile on your face and be nice because nobody wants to work with a jerk. You know, there's there's all there's there's natural talent, and then there's these things that anybody can do. We can all show up early, stay late. You know, it's um it's not so hard to be successful if you really want it. Yeah, like today, as I was prepping to meet with you, someone was telling me, someone asked me, um, what was my plans after work? And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to meet with Fitz and they we're, we're having a, a conversation that's probably going to go until whatever time. And they're like, oh, when did you wake up? I was like, well, I woke up about 7 a.m. and then I'll probably finish at 9, 10 o'clock. Like, that's a long day. I was like, yeah, I do my 9 to 5. That pays for my house. That pays for my car. And then I start, I'm growing my business outside of that. I'm like, I don't know how to do it any other way. When it comes to hard work, I don't know how to do it any other way. I'm like, while, and I told Chris, while you're sleeping, while you're in front of the TV, you're doing all of those things, I'm networking. I'm doing this. I'm building partnerships. I'm building sponsorships. I'm doing all of these things because I have a goal that at a certain age, I want to say I own 
all of this. And it comes back to ownership and it comes back to your point saying that how long do you want to live the same way, sitting in the same chair, talking to the same girls, talking to the same boys, driving the same car, eating the same food? You want to grow and you want to progress. And I told the person, yeah, it might seem like a long day to you, but I still get the same amount of hours of sleep. I just hustle harder because when you're ambitious and I'll let you speak on that, when you're hard work and when you're dedicated, you don't know any other way. Yeah, I, I, I identify with that so much. And one of the things you said about failures is I think we all have to own our failures, you know, take personal responsibility for the things we couldn't achieve. Uh, because you can't own your successes unless you take complete ownership of when you blew it. If you didn't get the job, if you didn't get the account, if you screwed up and ruined the account, whatever it is, stop pointing fingers at anybody else. You know, and, and again, I'm, I can't blame any of my failures on being a girl. I can blame my failures on being real stupid <laughs> and making bad decisions. But yeah, I have failed and that's why I succeed. And so... Um, yeah, I, there's nothing that uh, supersedes hard work. And like you said, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't sit around and watching sitcoms. On occasion, the TV's on in the background, but I can never follow a show because I'm too busy on LinkedIn. I'm always hustling and I'm a hunter. I love doing business. I love getting new um, speaking engagement or, or a new race announcing job. I love creating my book. And on Friday afternoon, I may sound like a nerd, but I can't wait for Monday to come back because I love doing business. It makes me sad on a Saturday that if I send an e email, someone may not respond to it because they're out boating or whatever. I feel like, come on, let's let's play. I really just, I enjoy the work world. And, and on the flip side, I also enjoy playing. I love water sports and I love animals and I love music and, and I play just as hard as I work. I think it's good to have balance. Since you love animals, do you own any pets? I do, I do. I have a beautiful dog, she, Piper. She's almost 12. She's half Labrador, half Greyhound, half Princess. She's amazing. She's very fit still, very muscular and athletic at 12. And she stood by my side, man. When I was going through treatment, I, I she never left. Uh, went a foot away from me. If I went to the bathroom, she went to the bathroom. If I went to the kitchen, she went with me. She just, she was by my side and I will spend the rest of her life making it up to her with as many walks and um, circles around the couch, throwing toys. I had a disabled duck handy that I adopted, um, a white Pekin duck. And we adopted her from a farm and that the other ducks on the farm were trying to kill her because her legs didn't work. And so we brought her home and handy for handy capable because she was a little trooper. And man, I fell in love with this duck and she loved me back. And sadly, she passed away. But she's one of the stars of my my noisy cancer comeback. She's in there and people really love hearing about handy. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll adopt anything, anything, everything. I, I walk by alligators out in the swamp and I think, oh, do you need a home? <laughs> <laughs> Come home with me. You're so cute. What about you? Do you have pets? I was actually just going to tell you, I have a female boxer bulldog. She will nice. be four years old this March 4th. And it's unconditional love from, from yeah. dogs. Right? They follow you around. You know, um, as soon as I walk in 
as soon as I um, come out of my car and I and I lock in and she hears the horn, I can expect her to be at the door waiting for me. Uh, she always wants to be around. Even now, as she's like laying down um, in the sofa in the other room where I am in my house, unconditional love. Like if if people love the way animals loved, yes, this world would be so different. Okay, thank. That's such a yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. So. I don't know anything as perfect as my dog or as oh, yeah. genuinely kind, right? Yeah, yeah. For those who don't have animals, go on and get one and you will understand. Yeah. They're yeah. everything you want in a person. Yeah, and I definitely experienced it with my dog, but then my dog, and then we had a hamster that was so loving and sweet. And uh, I have some farm friends. One of my girlfriends owns a farm and her donkey, and the donkey is just an angel the pigs are cuddly like dogs the goats all of them i just um yeah animals deserve a little more credit than they're given absolutely i haven't been on a farm in a long time i think it's been a couple of years but by me there's um i drive by the horses like mm. ranch and those are beautiful creatures absolutely i'd love this to have strange. one of those for sure in my house Expensive, in my but... bed yeah <laughs> I love a, a horse to lie down in bed and cuddle with i'm that person i'll bring anything in my bed to cuddle with my goodness any animal at least <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you made that uh, distinction Thank there. You. <laughs> some people might be like wait a minute um what's your last name that's She's in right <laughs> yeah they might look you up and bombard with all these direct messages right <laughs> perhaps yeah i can handle it <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for Fitz? What's next? So I'm very hopeful that the event industry will turn back on now that the vaccine is going around. And now that our presidential election is over, some people are just poof, forgetting that there was any sort of virus and opening up. And, and if that's the case, fine, because I really want my career back. I want races to turn back on. I miss them. I miss people. I miss smiles and hugs. Um, next, I more corporate speaking gigs. I'm not letting that go again. I made that mistake once. And what else? I mean, just onward, onward. I've got a lot of things to do. So yeah, more more cancer patients to help with this book. And uh, I don't know, hopefully never cancer again. Hopefully that's not next. Hopefully just stay sticking with survivor status for a long time. Yeah, I just, I'm hoping it's just strength and happiness from now until um, years to come for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Me too. I feel I feel good. I feel healthy. I've really, uh, it's interesting. I lost, oh my gosh, I lost about 12, 13 pounds of muscle in the spring. And I was very scrawny. I was one of those ugh, cancer patients that was really just too thin. And so I've been busting my butt and I have put on seven pounds of muscle. And uh, today, I was just in the gym. I was doing lateral raises with 15-pound dumbbells, and I thought, "Ooh, I got some deltoids again." So, uh, <laughs> still working on the comeback. Do you ever think about bodybuilding? Um, no, no. <laughs> Not for you. No, I, you know what? I really don't ever want to be judged for my body again. I feel like I did that when I was younger. Um, I did things like that. And yeah, I like more of what my body can do and the adventures it can bring, but I don't ever want to be judged on the appearance of my body again. That's a, that's a good point. I know um, I was, when it was approached to me about it, I was the same. I was like, uh, I don't know. And the prep to get to that point is just so difficult. 
Yeah. And I respect it, but I also don't want to look that way too. I kind of like having a little bit more of a feminine touch to my physique. So, you know, to each their own, I respect it, but um, I'll let the other girls have their day in the spotlight with their big muscles. Any last words before we close today? Well, I hope everyone keeps perspective. You know, it could always be worse. So if you have the opportunity to smile, do it. Uh, whatever your passions are in your life, you got to pursue them. Is that really are, those are the things that make life worth living in the good times and the bad. As far as your health con is concerned, uh, prepare your body to do battle today. My health really affected my outcome. So, you know, you never know when illness or injury is going to strike. So it makes sense to get healthy up front. Start working on it today. Baby steps. You don't have to run a marathon tomorrow, but watch what you put in your mouth, exercise often, get some sleep, and then... If you get in a car accident or you get diagnosed with something, you'll be able to rebound and recover quickly. Um, I love it if people will follow me. I'm at Fitzness, that's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S -S, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And don't just follow, reach out and say hi. Tell me uh, that you heard me on this podcast and I would love to communicate with you guys. Uh, Fitzness.com is my home base. And anyone who orders a book there, I sign every last one of them. And they come with that special gift with purchase that I can do hard things sticker.